Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have not a chef, but a food stylist for major motion pictures and television talking about how she approaches food styling the same way as a restaurant kitchen. She is a culinary director, producer, consultant, and the food stylist for the show, Julia. It's Christine Tobin. Christine, welcome to the podcast. I was allowed a sneak peek of the new season of Julia. So if you hear my stomach growling, it is because everything looks absolutely mouthwatering. Thanks to you. What's it been like working on this project? It's been just a once in a lifetime opportunity and experience. It's a full circle moment for me as some someone that grew up here in New England and grew up at the at the base of the television stand as a kid. And, you know, she was always part of my, my, you know, upbringing, but also my peaked interest in food and to then lead my life in the food world, in restaurant work and such to tell this, you know, part of her grand story is, is quite remarkable. And I pinch myself all the time. (laughs) I'm a very lucky person, but I feel like the job was given to the right person, um, given how much she's a part of, of me. Yeah. I mean, as a Boston native, I have a feeling that Julia Child is to you what Dolly Parton is to East Tennessee. Um, you, you mentioned that you, you kind of remember that being on in the background, um, you know, during your childhood. What are your memories of her and that show growing up? Yeah, well, I grew up um, outside Boston and we PBS, you know, WGBH PBS was our form of entertainment. So it starts with Sesame Street and it goes to (laughs) Zoom. And then each weekend it would just, it would be, she would be on right after Bob Ross and Bob Ross was a painting instructor. Yeah. So I would sit on the carpet and with my coloring books or whatnot. And my dad's sitting there with his paper. And that's how I started each Saturday morning and then led into, you know, my going to school and home economics and coming home and cooking those dishes for my family on the, on a Sunday say, but in my head, I was speaking as if I was Julie, I would stare out the window and talk like Julie would talk on her show. <laughs> so I would emulate her and was interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, my dad was such a, my family were big home cooks. My mom in particular being a Sicilian and my Nana who lived with us most of my teenage years and childhood that there's always this deep appreciation for food. And it was my dad, though, who wanted to go a little outside the box and would turn to Julia and he would go to her, you know, cookbook signings and sort of events and such. And he was just such a fan and he would howl with laughter at each show. And so, and I just, you know, that was just such an endearing part of her delivery, but also how I saw my dad enjoy her message and just got inspired and thought, why not? I'm going to make duck l'orange. And then I can still <laughs> taste the duck l'orange. And my mom would set the beautiful dining room table. And that's all that we had on a dead end street. You know, we were a, a middle-class family, working family, and that was their way with no restaurants. <laughs> 
in their tiny town. That's how they chose to entertain themselves and and learn. I mean, it seems like, you know, she was just this magnetic personality that everybody like as you kind of outlined, everybody was drawn to male, female, old, young. What was it about her and just how she presented these recipes that was so endearing? She's clearly had a tenacious spirit (laughs) and but also so forgiving and gave allowance to those at home to you know, be okay with the mistakes and that even the the most professional chefs make mistakes and that's where the learning comes in. And I say on set all the time, like happy accidents are sometimes these beautiful moments <laughs> that, that lead you into a different way of discovering the food or discovering something about yourself. So I think that's my takeaway with her and being here in, in Boston and in the food, you know, food world, especially when I go to my vendors and such, like everyone has a story about Julia. Everyone mm-hmm. either grew up, you know, skateboarding past her house in Cambridge or worked for her or just, you know, met her or gave her, you know, handed her butcher order at Savonor's. Like it's, she's a big, she's a rich part of our community here in New England, especially Boston and Cambridge. And She's, she's just, she's just the best (laughs) and we, we all strive to, you know, make her proud and make those who worked with her proud. And I take a lot of responsibility, you know, I feel responsible for that in my small part of, of telling her story because she's just that special. Yeah, no, she she absolutely is. And, you know, when you talk about this approach to cooking that she had where, you know, accidents are okay, and she really, you know, kind of embraced those mistakes. When you're at home, do you and you're cooking, you know, in your own kitchen, do you kind of mirror that approach? Well, so here at home, I'm a single mom of two kids and I keep (laughs) things really simple. But when they were younger, I actually was quite more ambitious for some. And now they take part in in helping me prepare food. So that's been a lot of fun to sort of turn and teach and answer questions or, and I'm somebody I think similar in the sense of Julia Child that I get a lot from just being an observer. So I just ask a lot of questions of others, probably more than looking at a cookbook at this, you know, and when I would work in restaurants, I would just watch someone execute a dish over and over and over again and ask the question, then come home and prepare it and take notes on it and then go back the next shift and say, hey, that made... So like I would always sort of um, gravitate towards that learning and then execute at home. So I still do that a bit. Again, I just keep things super simple, you know, nowadays, but I just think... And I'm very sort of instinctual as a cook, similar. And I think that's the only similarity, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously you are clearly very inspired by Julia, like so many other people. How did you get to the place that you are now doing food styling for film and TV? Was it the food world that kind of brought you in? And how did film kind of come into play? Yeah, great. So I am a a trained artist. So I went to school for fine arts and I paid my way and paid for school uh, through working in restaurants since the age of 17. It wasn't until I was probably, and I've always followed my stomach. You know, I was that (laughs) kid eating three helpings every night and helping my, my, 
my family cook and I was always in charge of salad. And it wasn't until I worked at Oleana in Cambridge that I saw the power of the food on a plate as a medium that Chef Anna Sartoon executed over and over and over again. And that's when something lit inside of me as a gallery artist at that point and just a home cook that just from observation would come home. I would ask a lot of questions of Anna and Cassie and Chef Nookie, all these people to and come home and sort of teach myself these skills. And it was a, a, her first cookbook, Spice, that was my first experience as a, assisting her as a food stylist. And from there, I went on to assist all the grand dames in New York. I would travel from Boston to New York to assist on, on various publications, commercials, etc. And fast forward to when I'm 39, 40, mm-hmm. I get a call uh, based on a referral um, from one of my mentors um, to work on my first movie, which was Labor Day. And it was there that I was trained uh, by the grand dame herself, Susan Spungen. So, you know, that that led on to, you know, those departments. They, so I fall under the prop department in my mm. my union that, you know, that's where I became food stylist of IET 481. And so I went on to now work at 20 something films here in, here in New England and, and beyond. So as you will see in season two of traveling to France. And so that's, you know, I love the medium of food on film. I love the beat of it, the, the chaos of it, the adrenaline it takes to achieve it. And it's to me just, it's just like restaurant work and it's just under a different context, but mm-hmm. I operate as if I'm, I'm running a restaurant and <laughs> I have a front of a house team and a back of the house team. So, you know, it's, it's seeing the power of food over and over again through the execution of a chef, but also as a server, cause that's what I, I was mm-hmm. for many, many years is seeing the joy or surprise or the anticipation of, of me presenting a dish to them and seeing that and having that exchange with them and also teaching them about various, you know, especially at Oleana, she was one of the very, very first people here in our, our country to talk about Labne and sumac and zatar and bring all these flavors from a different part of the globe, similar to Julia, to, <laughs> to our, you know, to our food community. And so I take all of those learnings and experiences onto set with me each day as I, I work in this in this, in this medium of film, but in school, in college, I would study, you know, film and to like set, set like scenic classes, uh-huh. but I never, I didn't even know that there was even a, a film community here, frankly, and there's something that I could even follow through. And I just focused on being a gallery, a gallery fine artist. So to be able to, to really utilize everything is such a privilege. And it just, I'm very lucky to, to, to say that each day that I'm working because I didn't put any of my loans <laughs> to waste. I'll put it that way. You know, it all, it all just makes that makes sense for me. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you, you can tell that your, your love is genuine for the work that you do. Um, just hearing you speak about it. Is that something unique to food styling, kind of treating it as if you are in a restaurant? Is that something unique to you or is that something you've learned, you know, from other food stylists uh, throughout the Well, I think I've blasted through that belief for myself and how I, how I perform mm-hmm. because, you know, 
up until that phone call for Labor Day, I was primarily a, a still still photography food stylist, which has a very different mm. um, approach. And when you're working in film, it goes by or cooking show, like it goes by so fast. It's all about just being su- super uber prepared. And when it comes to that final moment, that's when your food styling techniques come into play, but it's up and it's, it's not up until that very last minute that the camera potentially will kiss your dish. <laughs> that, but, and you have to expect like they're not, the camera is, does not, you're not sitting there for six hours preparing the perfect dish. You're given mm-hmm. literally like seconds. Wow. And so I designed those, you know, around those foods with my knowledge of various ingredients that know what will work and also uh, advocate for those to that might not work, but how to make it work. So there's just sort of a, a million, you know, different hats that I wear to, to do food styling, but it is, in theory, you want it, everything to look incredibly beautiful and mm-hmm. pornographic, right? <laughs> but really it I've come to learn that that little mess and a little drip and those like moments where the buttercream on a doll cake will sort of soften because it's so hot and humid and there's no control over it. Like mm-hmm. just being able to let it go. And frankly, that to me reads just so beautifully on, on a screen because mm. that is what naturally happens with food and not everything should look as if it came out, popped out of a mold. And <laughs> I only really, I mean, I'm happy to, to play with, you know, armatures and styrofoam to make fake things, but it's not in my, it's, I work with real food. And so that comes with its challenges. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as you kind of outlined there, I mean, food is very temperamental, whether it's, you know, melting under a hot set or, 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 you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, do you have little tricks and things that you, you do to, to kind of mitigate that? Or like you said, you kind of just let it happen and, and, and go with it. Well, Julie is a very wonderful experience for many fronts. And one of it is, you know, come with having a second season and, and, having these growing relationships with various departments and department heads, I rely a lot on the assistant directors on set and they mm-hmm. alternate between episodes, at least this, you know, I'll use season two as an example, but so it's just all in my communication. And I, you know, we usually have maybe say 10 days in between each episode. So I am someone that will prepare immediately and just at least get these thoughts out and sort of outlines out to the prop department and the set deck department to start that conversation. We have culinary meetings that we bring in uh, the director, sometimes the talent, if there's choreography or, or coaching. And we just sort of almost over communicate because as, as we know, food on camera and film, especially should be treated like a car crash. And, <laughs> and it takes, I'd rather be everyone knowing what to expect than that day of, or moments before like something. So just to make it as seamless as possible, um, because there is going to be something, you know, and it might not be, could be just, a, you know, something with lights or something with some hair, whatever. You just always want to be prepared at least 
for me, that's my responsibility. So we have we have a liaison that goes and, and gathers all the set dressing and props and they lay it out on the table outside of our kitchen. So we're just like, at this point, such a well-oiled machine, my team and I, that it's almost like our own sort of mutant hybrid of of operators because it's 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 really grown and changed from the work on Julia especially and I bring since Julia I've worked on other shows and I execute exactly the same we we hop in as a team and it's we just bang it out <laughs> <laughs> how how different is it you know food styling for a very food centric show like Julia versus maybe a film or a series that simply has food scenes in it, you mm-hmm. know, where it's not as much of the focus. You just respect that because sometimes, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, there's nothing more heartbreaking than having a beautiful spread that's part of a scene and you're just peeking in at the monitor and saying that the camera's not even getting over there. <laughs> what? But, you know, part of the, the beauty of what I do on film is that you're, you're there to add that last layer of the set dressing. So you're enhancing that space. So when the actors pop in to do their jobs, like their, that food gives off, as we know, like such a wonderful energy in its presence and really sets a tone just as much as the curtains, just as much as the beautiful costumes and hair, especially in period, period pieces. So I think that it just adds, it just adds you know, even uh, just that layer, last layer and a bit of richness to the space. But yeah, it, it, you have to, I, I try to let it go. And (laughs) I know that it has, it has, it's, it's, however the camera wants to, you'd have to let it just lie with the director and the camera at that point. Mm -hmm. And, and then you see it on the screen, you're like, oh, it, it makes sense. And that happened when seeing the screeners for, for, for season two of Julia. And I'm so pleased that a lot of the times it's, it's not in your face. It's not crazy inserts, which I love to do as a food stylist, but as a food maker and having it being food, being so participatory amongst its cast, I rose up and, and let some of that control go. And, and it led to some really beautiful images no, absolutely. It is. It is beautiful. But like you said, it's it's very natural. It's not it's not forced. It's just part of the set. And I think that that is very much a testament to you and your team, as you mentioned. I'm so curious about how it all works. Like, can you help me picture the set? Do you have a working kitchen with your team like next to where, you know, the actual set is like, how does that all come to light? Well, we're very lucky, Julia, that they they've the the production has been nothing but so supportive with the food, the, the culinary department that I was asked season one to draw, just draw on a piece of paper and hand it to construction. And it was approved and we were built this beautiful space. I wanted windows to be installed so I could see out onto the, into the, you know, it's, it's a dark space, but you could see the red lights when they're or just even the motion of people. Like I know when something's been cut or a next scene is being pulled up, but also for people to see in, to see us working because similar, like that's part of the experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's led on for so many wonderful like crew members to come in and introduce themselves or say, Hey, I, I made, you know, 
what was on set yesterday for my family or come in and ask questions. So for me, I just lead from how I've learned in that, in that respect, you know, by being an observer and, and bit of a sponge and asking questions and being inspired by food, but in the interior of the kitchen, which was in between the three major sets. So Henri, the restaurant Henri Sank, Julia's home, the child's home and uh, the GBH French chef set. So we were pretty central to those, those stages and two swinging doors on either side of the kitchen that we pushed in and out of. And we had an industrial space with the industrial walk-in and that's, and we had a food truck that sounds like we were spoiled, but I mean, it was every, (laughs) every inch, every piece of equipment, every inch and usage of a truck just led for us to do some really big, biggest food scenes and the job, but, and then we have landing pads, you know, it's, and then sometimes you're camping when you're on location and you don't mm-hmm. have a truck on, on other jobs I've been on. You, you show up like a caterer, you prep out and everything's on ice and you keep things safe and lots of folding tables. And, you know, we call it, we call that camping. <laughs> that sounds like uh, some fun camping, actually, to be honest. <laughs> When we come back, Christine tells us what it was like recreating the dishes from Julia's show, The French Chef. So stick around. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're recreating some of these dishes from Julia's, you know, original show, The French Chef, did you have to deviate at all from some of her actual recipes so they were more camera ready or did you kind of stay true to the originals? Yeah, I always stay true to the originals. I never, ever, ever, ever. And, you know, I would always think of the Food Network and like someone I I will never I don't want to get called out like nobody. Everyone's going to be what I don't. I just I just keep it simple. And I I go by Julia and some good recipes and play it safe. But no, we and and I'm lucky when I go through because I'm. As soon as I see the script, I, I go to the cookbook and she's made it so easy for us as food makers that I'm able to sort of pick apart the, the unless it's something scripted in action, I have the ability to, in my meetings, to suggest, make suggestions of what would work best. And ultimately it's up to Sarah. So Sarah comes in, who's a natural cook, and I'm just, will stand there with my are, you know, hands behind my back and just be there for if she has questions. But we we work very well together as a team and I'm there to support her. So so that's how the French chef set works. But she 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 really is a leader in that in that regard. 
Um, you know, in, in this season in particular, you, you had to style like a variety of things, you know, the home cooked meals, the restaurant meals, you know, Julia in the markets, you know, cultural foods. How did you have to kind of shift your approach from one scene to the next? Just being hyper focused. <laughs> and also, again, it's all instinctual. It's all having had the experiences of being in various places around food that when I'm at a, say, a location scout, which is super duper important for me to be in the space, understand, understand what the food, how the food is to be presented, you know, beyond the action in the script or how, or those particular dishes, but how to then flush out the design of a menu. So it looks, you know, lavish or it looks set, whatever the, the, the assignment is, Mm -hmm. but we just, again, I just hyper prepare and there are days that we're in three different locations, two different locations. I rely a lot on my mood boards. So that's one of my favorite parts of my process. So my team, we have, you know, we call meetings and they're prepping me out and we have, I call them kits in the walk-in and we just grab and go. So we just, we're just always ready to we prepare ourselves to be ready for the execution of various things, but visually is, and sort of in the research of it, I just, to be honest, I just kind of make it up as I go. I mean, <laughs> it's, and, and I'm so lucky to have that ability. You know, they, they give me a lot, a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. And obviously Julia herself was so inspired, you know, by her time in France. What was it like for you to kind of be in that environment creating your your food creations oh it was crazy it was crazy (laughs) it was what it was it was just um I would touch things I you know especially we're in the south and we're at the set in particular for Simca Simca's house and Mm -hmm. there's all these olive groves and horses outside the parameter of the of the house and I would just touch the leaves and really want to be part of the the the, the nature of it to understand mm-hmm. it. I think I had my assistant, Rachel Michael with me, which was incredible and much needed so much how I would work here. You know, there's really no difference in camping. You know, we were trained <laughs> to sort of, you know, get the call and, and jump right into it. But there was something really just so special about going to the, to the markets there and, retrieving all these ingredients that she gravitated towards and that inspired her in, in the places that she, she visited there that made her come and cook this incredible masterpiece and her show. So I, there was not a second that Rachel and I did not feel incredibly grateful for that experience. And I think because I've already established the approach in my food making mm-hmm. and design in, in that sort of culinary s- storytelling of it, that it just felt very natural. And, you know, quickly the, the, the set for Simca, where they pressed the olive oil, there was also a small garden and the homeowner invited me to use what was in her garden for wow. that, for that epic feast that we see. And so that even like, more so just was such a gift to actually use the fruits and, and, and vegetables from, from where we were shooting. So it, it was just a wonderful few days of being there and, and to then share that with the guests that are around the table, surrounding all this beautiful food. Like it just, 
made such a wonderful evening for for everybody, and I I do feel and see that resonate, you know, in in that in that particular scene. So, you know, I I tend to just tune in and follow my stomach wherever wherever I go. And France was just um, just a very unique, hopefully not the last <laughs> experience, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Juliet child herself. Like I just learned a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it seems like it was such a, a special experience. And that definitely, I think, came to light, you know, on the screen watching that scene. I have to ask one question, you know, that me as maybe it's just because I'm hungry right now, but who, I mean, who eats all of the leftover food? Is it, is it even edible by the time you guys are done shooting or, you know, or is the crew able to kind of partake? Keeping this in mind, we, because we always have resets, replenishing, and we are always keeping the food safety in mind that Mm -hmm. we will pull things, right? When we know, you know, we just, and knowing that we're not going to waste it. Sure. And, you know, if it's sometimes the, I don't force food on anyone, but sometimes the cast will come and ask, oh, hey, you know, I'm, I'm having a visitor or I would love you know, to bring some of this home, but we have like on set, we have a communal fridge, for example. So cast and crew can come and take containers out the, the, you know, the Brown mm-hmm. recycling containers, yep. or we, we just say, go for it, you know, and for the Bush Noel, for example, there was just lining, you know, the tables and, and people just take big chunks and wrap it with, with tinfoil. So <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's food brings things community and, and every single person on our crew is, is always welcome to, to, um, take or ask for more and, and ask for recipes and and such. And we also have a food comp of compost program. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that, you know, all the, you know, scrapes and stems and knobs are, you know, have a place to go to, but no, so it's, it's led to a very enjoyable work environment and a a source of, of happiness as all kitchens are, you know? Well, I think, uh, I think Julia would be very proud of, of all of that people coming together and and enjoying the food, you know, even as they are working uh, on a show about her, (laughs) you know, we had a chance to interview Todd Shulkin of the Julia Child Foundation during season one of the show. What was it like working closely with her foundation to stay authentic to who she was both in her personal and professional life? Well, with Todd, I, so I, I spoke with Todd for the first time last year while I was in France mm-hmm. and I, I, I just keep my nose. I'm so grateful that he is a massive part of the support and, and like the big brother of, of this production and this story. I, I just, I aim to make everyone there proud and him especially. And mm-hmm. I keep my nose to the ground and just do my job. And I know that, and as I s- said before, like just keeping very, very tight and true to the writings and of, of her recipes, just, just to protect her, but, and Simone, but, but also to protect myself and my team that, you know, knowing that they're, there is a responsibility in, in this, in this, you know, this part of, of a big part of her. And, but other than that, I rarely have the need to reach out to him, but mm. he's, a, 
just again, the the big brother. And I know yeah. I can if I ever needed to. Absolutely. You know, and there's also a lot of commentary in the show about feminism and, you know, the complicated dynamics of women in the workforce. How do you feel that Julia and other media trailblazers paved the way for you and what you do today? This is a good one, especially since I've worked in restaurants, you know, for a big chunk of my life. I think it's with her tenacity It's with her convictions and her belief in herself, I think, that, you know, clearly like charged her through rooms and in front of people. I think my takeaway is because I'm living it and especially at my point of life, you know, I'm at this, I'm the same exact age Julia was Mm. and have all this rich experience. And then there's a place of pause and how do you how do you trampede forward mm. when you're getting hit by lightning and that lightning is is inspiration and just like a gut knowing that you have something important to share and you might not be able to put your finger on it but there's something there's a fire inside and it's, it feels very different than when you're 20 something and you have the same you know ideas generating but something it's not so impulsive at this age. It's something that is just really deep. Again, clearly I'm in it, so, <laughs> but I feel that standing shoulder to shoulder with other women mm-hmm. being heard and seen and doing and, and being that mirror for others is probably the most important. I think that being told we don't know what to do with you because you have so much experience or too mm. much experience or different experience, or you're just a chameleon does not necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. Mm. It just means that you, you have, you have, to, you have a few different other paths to uh, investigate. And I don't know if this is <laughs> fully on point with your question, but it's, it's you're that's clearly on my mind as someone who is is a mentor to others but also Mm -hmm. and that's like such a privilege to have these young people reach out to me like cold email me and ask questions and that's my responsibility and privilege to to give advice and that doesn't end here and I turn to my mentors still and mentorship is like really super important for, for growth and not necessarily to get you ahead. Um, (laughs) but just to be there in, in partnership with your, with your journey and that's in the food world or any, anything, anything. And I think that this is a really interesting time with, with, I mean, it's always an interesting time with food, but food on film in particular, because Mm -hmm. there's so much more attention to it. But I also think, and then feel a great sense of responsibility of how to share the knowledge, train, train people. So when they show up, they're fully, they're just fully prepared. Yeah. So, no. I mean, no, that was beautiful. I mean, you made me tear up for sure. Oh, <laughs> no, seriously. I think that that is like such an important message. And I guess on that note, like what advice do you have for other women in the industry who are maybe, you know, coming up right now? It's just such an, it's such an interesting time because I've, 
I'm coming out of like years of being super duper busy. And mm-hmm. as most food makers know, like you're not on, you can't be on your phone and on Instagram and taking pictures. Like it is, your hands are oily, wet, it, you're going to hurt your skin. So to come into this, in this pause moment and sort of catch up mm-hmm. and see like so much energy being generated through these little teeny squares is fascinating to me. And I'm feeling more comfortable in the idea of the tool of it, but there's nothing more important than getting in front of people, reaching, cold calling people, um, asking uh, for apprenticeships, internships, assistant work, and getting yourself on an actual set in a way. There's a beauty of, of working at your window and I love it. It's so artistic. It's so creative. It's so inspired, but I think the more FaceTime people can have with each other, especially in the collaboration that food is as a, mm. as just a, as a collective is to not be a lost art <laughs> because your person is and how you show up and how you work with others is like 96% of the job mm-hmm. more so than how you chiffonade, you know, for me, for me, for me, at least that I, and I say this cause I'm terrible at social media. I, I, I wish I wasn't, but now with this time, I'm much more prepared in my convictions and having reaching out and having conversations, um, and flesh, flesh out what's, what's part of me. And mm-hmm. that's part of the journey. But yeah, I love these people who will reach out and, um, and grow and grow this niche craft of mm-hmm. food on film because, it, you know, from food and literature to food in, in television and, and film. And it's like, it's not going, food's never going away. No. <laughs> and a fascination, obsession with it. But I think, I think to have it being a growing and um, observed craft in mm-hmm. that visual storytelling is really exciting. And I'm proud to have been a part of it first. I mean, I've been doing this now 13 years, 12 wow. years, 13 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see where it leads to. And I, I would love, I, and I welcome, you know, writers to come and share their, their work and, and get feedback. Like mm-hmm. That stuff that generates lightning inside of me because it, that's how it started with me as, you know, while working at Oleana, it's like mm-hmm. I, something just switched on and I started paying attention to more food heavy films, you know, the Babette, the Tampopo, the cook, the, the thief, the wife and their lover, like all these, these films that just led on this really crazy journey that I was not expecting, but it makes total sense. And my advice would be just keep yourself open uh-huh. because, because you just don't, know when something's going to fall and it just makes it's so like abstract the way I'm describing it. No, I like just keep yourself open and there's not just one direct way to get to the end result and just be around people as much as possible. Cause now we can Yeah, (laughs) for a while (laughs) we couldn't, but, and I love the events that I see happening around food. That's just like so interesting and like food is sculpture and you know, food is as these massive, like gorgeous tablescapes that I see this a lot in New York. Um, I mean, invite me. I would love to come and be your cheerleader. And, you know, that inspires me to do the jobs that I'm hired to do. 
and we'll just kick it back. I love that. I love that. That's that's fantastic advice. And thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to to chat with us today. We are going to finish things off with uh, a few rapid fire questions. And then we have one final question for you before we let you go. Uh, All right. Rapid fire round. Your IMDb, quite impressive. Do you have a favorite film or show that you've worked on? Besides Julia? (laughs) <laughs> can I say that? Can I say, can I say, no, you can say Julia first, but yeah, whatever, whatever, maybe. Yeah. Whatever's second. <laughs> I would say my experience on little women was okay. the, 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 the single most incredible experience seeing the power of food with these sisters, the March sisters and the ability and freedom to have in that, in that design of, of those, those moments in that, in that rendition of, of beautiful stories. So, and that's led me into how I approach food, you know, moving forward from, from that. Okay. Rate your own cooking skills on a scale of one to 10. I mean, I'm always learning and I'm not a trained chef. I, Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to say like an 8.25. Okay. I like that. (laughs) Tools you always have handy on set. Uh, a variety of spoons. Okay. <laughs> Your favorite type of food or cuisine to style? Anything that has an architectural element. Oh, okay. Like what? Uh, just even a salad can be architectural. Okay. You know, some, <laughs> I love texture, I love color. I mean, those are sort of go-tos, but I love when designing and executing a tablescape, preparing and presenting foods that have an architectural, like a cityscape, like just... Mm-hmm has height and depth of field and all of that. All right. Favorite Julia Child recipe. Oh, okay. So, oh, geez. I thought I had it open. Okay. So there's this one recipe that came later, not in the French chef, but it was these stuffed peppers okay. with a cheese mixture that I you'll see in a point of season two that that you then bake and you serve with a frise salad with lard on. Mm. And I can share it with you. I think it's from the Way to Cook cookbook. Yes, because it's right in front of you. The Way to Cook cookbook. That's my favorite Julie Child recipe. It's delicious and fresh (laughs) and like definitely her. Okay. Favorite Boston food spot? I will say Oleana in Cambridge. (laughs) Of course. And a food that you hope to never style again. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I'm going to say char Twinkies and you'll What's have that? to, you'll have to tune into season two of okay. Julia to know Just, what a char Twinkie is. Okay. I'm now, I mean, that's a great, that's a great tease. <laughs> I love that. All right. Final question. This is not rapid fire. We just want to know what would be on the menu for your personal perfect food day. So we want you to take us through your ideal breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. You can travel, time travel. You know, there are no rules for this. Calories obviously don't count. Just your ideal set of meals for one day. Okay. So I'm going to choose one meal. Okay. Because it's, I love being home with my two children who are now Mm -hmm. teenagers and they're just like the best. (laughs) And since they were babies, they always asked me for crepes. And okay. when I, for some reason, I was able to do them like spitfire every morning before school, but now it's wow. like a weekend thing. So my day would be like an early morning rise. It's like a blizzard out, but like <laughs> a soft snowfall. Mm. And I present them crepes in front of the fire 
in the living room and we have a, our little TV, you know, our little tabletop coffee table. And I set out like a really pretty spread and I always light a candle. And this actually is fat. I do do this. <laughs> but I would, I, time is short and they're growing up and I wish I could do it every day as I, mm-hmm. I just have like these warm crepes that take forever until I can finally sit down and share it with them. Like they're already halfway done <laughs> and they always use Nutella and Charlotte always likes to put the, the let squeeze a lemon on it. Lots of confectioner sugar ends up on the rug <laughs> and always hot chocolate and with fresh whipped cream. And we just sit and are very leisurely about the breakfast and that breakfast could be at 11 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and then we're just sort of stuck there. And let it just sort of sit for a while and relish in that moment. And there's no rush. Yeah. So I think that is my my perfect my perfect uh, my perfect day. And yeah. Then, and hopefully I pulled something from the freezer <laughs> some, uh, to make you know say Julia Child's beef bourguignon and something that I could sit and and cook slowly and. We'll just do it all over again. You know, like the, the confectioner's sugar still might be on the rug. Sure. But just have just a leisure, quiet, but inspired day. It sounds perfect. And you painted a, a gorgeous picture that I can absolutely, you know, see in my head. So it sounds perfect. And thank you so much for sharing that and all of your stories with us. We really appreciate it and look forward to season two. Wow. Thank you so much. This is incredible. You can see Christine's incredible work in action on the eight episode Max original comedy, Julia, premiering Thursday, November 16th on Max. You can also listen to Dishing on Julia, the official Julia companion podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Host Carrie Diamond talks to the creators and creatives behind Julia, the series, as well as the culinary superstars who share their connection to the one and only Julia Child. There are new episodes each week after the show airs on Max. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Oh, 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 oh,